Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome again to another edition of the Debunking Economics podcast with Steve Keen. Today, we look at the unfolding Greek tragedy and ask, where will it all end? The EU has recently approved another 8.5 billion euros of aid for Greece, a country steeped in debt and that's faced uh, with an ongoing austerity problem, even though, as we've seen in the UK, austerity doesn't always work, or never works, in fact. It runs down services without adding any growth to the economy. But the situation is far worse in Greece. So what next for Greece? I mean, Steve, the government owes more than 300 billion euros. Have they got any hope of ever paying that back? Well, it's... There's no, there's, it'd be, when the Greece, Greece is like a local council. Let's just get its position right. Why can't Greece pay back the debt it has? And the reason is it doesn't have its own currency, just like a local council. So if a local council hasn't got sufficient uh, tax, uh, tax revenue coming in uh, to pay the debt that it's got, then it's going to continue going bankrupt. Mm. And if you continue slashing the spending, then people leave the local council or businesses fail and stop paying the local council even further and you implode towards zero and that's that's really the process that greece is currently caught up in right now and will it'll it'll there is absolutely no way that the program being imposed on it by the european union will work and in fact on their and this, this is the horrific thing about it on their own projections if the growth occurs which is impossible because their plans are simply wrong. But even if the growth they expect occurs, Greece will not get out of the trap they're in now until 2060. So it means people who were not even born when this whole process began will find themselves at retirement age by the time the whole thing is over. And in fact, what actually is happening is depopulation of Greece. And I, it, this, this thing is basically turning Greece into, into, into Europe, Somalia. And whoever thinks that's a good idea... <laughs> Don't even try to persuade me. Well, look, and it seems the indicators are going all in the opposite direction to the way they'd hope they'd go. And yet, you know, the top level data for Europe, obviously, I mean, it's, it's looking relatively positive. We keep on hearing stories that uh, there's growth in Europe. We don't seem to mention Greece. It's, it's, it's almost forgotten about. Well, it's come back into the news just recently because, again, the, um, the, the government found itself having to negotiate yet another tranche of payments from the IMF and the European Central Bank and the European Union. And, in fact, this tranche of payments was necessary to pay the interest on previous previous debt. Yeah. I think some, something over 90% of the money being so-called given to Greece uh, was then given back to the very organisations that are demanding payment. And this is, the, this is the ironic state in which we're in now because all that debt, which was original, a lot of it was originally owed to hedge funds, it was owed to um, uh, private investors and so on, has been bought up by the European Central Bank. And, and, and therefore, the European Central Bank is saying, you've got these bonds, which, uh, you know, oh, let's say you owe us 10 billion uh, euro a year on those bonds, 
uh, we're going to lend you 10 billion euro so that you can pay us 10 billion euro. Yeah. Uh, and one of the conditions of us lending that 10 billion euro to us is you've got to tax your people 3.5% of GDP more than you spend on them. So to I mean, me, it's, it's a bit like that, it's a, it's a bit like paying off your credit card by uh, getting another credit card that's actually got a worse interest rate, but at least it allowed you to pay off the debt on the first credit card. But the but the condition is to do this, you must reduce your own income by three and a half percent every year. Mm. Okay, so and, and that is what's actually going on. The, but the, and this is the, the the simple little piece of logic which escapes people like Schäuble, but it's fundamentally true. Your spending becomes somebody else's income. Yeah. If you spend money, you create income for somebody else. Therefore, if you save money, you reduce somebody else's income. And that's, but on the figures, I mean, isn't it, I mean, first of all, isn't that bleeding obvious? But secondly... It's bleeding it, obvious, but, it, but they don't realise it. But, and, but secondly, isn't it showing in the figures? So private consumption in Greece is lower than the EU average. It's about 77% of the average. So, first, so, so first of all, people, Greeks are spending less money. So they've got no hope of, of, of boosting the economy if, they're, if, they're, if their spending is lower than everybody else's. So, secondly, and this is, this is a trend, GDP per capita, is about sixty-seven percent of the EU average in Greece. Mm. So, uh, and you know, and that's been that has dropped. So it was ninety-three percent in two thousand and eight. It dropped to seventy percent by two thousand and fourteen. Then mm. down to sixty-eight the year after. Then sixty-seven in this last year. Presumably, it's going to fall to sixty-six this year. So their GDP per capita, proportional to the rest of Europe, is sliding. Uh, and yet, isn't the whole idea to try and get the company to grow, the the country yeah. to grow? Yeah, and this is the whole problem about applying a you-must-save attitude uh, to try to solve a problem uh, of excessive debt because if you reduce um, – you're trying to reduce the debt-to-GDP ratio. Now, if you reduce your spending, you you reduce the, G, the, the income exactly as much as you reduce your spending. Expenditure is income. So reduction in expenditure is a reduction in income. Therefore, your numerator and your denominator both fall at the same time. And in fact, that's just at the very simplest level. The very that's like a first pass level. If you do that and you cut your spending on other people, they also cut their own spending, and consequently, GDP itself can fall by more than the cut in expenditure, and therefore the ratio remains constant or even gets higher and higher. So what the European Union is trying to get the Greeks to do is frankly impossible, and the, consequently, they always undershoot their targets in reducing the debt and therefore they continue pushing the austerity even further so it's it's it is simply a process which is going to destroy greece as a functional state so who is it so, so so who is responsible here really because you keep on mentioning it's the it's the eu uh that is uh, taking this hard line but we've also got the uh, the imf what's what's their their involvement in in this and and who's really driving the agenda well, I think, I think this is, in some ways, this is a repeat of what we saw with the Versailles Treaty, only it's a Versailles Treaty in reverse, because if you read Keynes's Economic Consequences of the Peace, and that's the, that's the work that really drove uh, Keynes to, to global prominence, uh, what he argued there was that the in the aftermath of the First World War, the reparation terms that were forced on Germany were literally designed to crush the economy completely and make it no longer a rival for France. You can see how well that worked out. Yeah. Keynes's argument was that this is this is not going to work in a capitalist economy because Germany did produce its own, uh, own money. It still produced the mark. We had the hyperinflationary period, of course, the Weimar Republic, driven partly by the collapse in the economy with the reparation payments being as enormous as they were to France. Uh, but it... it, it 
it could provide the reparations and then it would re-industrialized and of course we ended up with a second world war and Keynes said that the, the process that Pompidou is trying to impose will fail. Now, it, was actually, it wasn't actually just, of course, France making the decision. It was France, England and America uh, lording over the, the, you know, the German, just the destroyed German economy at the end of the First World War and saying these are our terms. And uh, according to Keynes, the, the American president, I think it was Woodrow Wilson. Again, I'm not sure here. My recollection isn't necessarily... 100% accurate, uh, Wilson came across and was caught up in total surprise by the, the viciousness with which uh, Pompidou was pursuing the desire to destroy the Germans and basically ended up going along with it and, and trying to calm things down without ever you know, stamping his foot and saying, no, I'm not going to agree to those terms. And Keynes looked at it and said, this is going to this attempt to fail, destroy the German economy will fail. It'll weaken it for a while, but it will then manage to, to get through the, uh, the reparations because it's, this is a capitalist economy, not a feudal one. And then in the aftermath, they're going to want to rearm and get even, which of course is what, what happened. So he predicted the Second World War as a consequence of the, the peace terms of the First World War. How, how, does, that see, how does that relate to Greece then? So is the, well, is in, the, in this particular case, sure, we now have the Germans taking the role of the French, mm. the IMF taking the role of the Americans, and the rest of the world are being like the English, looking and wondering what the hell's going on. So the IMF is, is acting as the mediator in this then? I, IMF is no. I think IMF is acting as the hostage in this thing, because the 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 European the, to actually with the arrangement they've got with with, with bailouts for the European Union, uh, the IMF has to be involved. The IMF says it wants to guarantee that debt forgiveness is part of the overall arrangement. The European Union, driven particularly by Schäuble, refuses to allow any debt forgiveness to be given, partly for political reasons back in in Germany. So consequently, the IMF ends up giving in, still providing some of the money being requested and, let, and letting go its demand for a debt forgiveness and on you go into an impossible situation. And, uh, and to give you an idea of, the, of, the, of the, the scale of this, by the way, the amount of money that's been given in this current bailout is $7 billion dollars. The amount of it that actually goes to the Greek economy is $1.6 billion. And that's on condition that they cut spending by about 3 or $4 billion, mm. which means that the cut, the amount of money they're get, getting uh, is, is going on with a demand that cuts their income by about twice as much, which will maintain their debt ratio. So all the rest is going on interest payments, is it? Yeah, the rest is going on interest payments, which interest payments back to the people who are lending them the money. Right. So the so the and there's a bit of self-interest is there for Germany in all of this because if if Greece if the if if their economy is strong and the Greek economy or any other economies in Europe are struggling and then I guess that that weakens the the value of the euro makes it more cost-effective for German exports. So they there's an advantage the advantage of being the strong player amongst a lot of weak players in, a, in an organization like the EU. That's right. And look at the moment uh, you know, Germany's trade surplus is running at about 10% of GDP. The northern members of the euro are doing very nicely out of this whole process uh, because they can then maintain a trade surplus not just with the other members of the European Union but also with the rest of the world. So it is a horribly mess, uh, conflicted situation, but it's mainly driven by an ideology which is guaranteed to fail. And that's the ideology that says you can save money by spending less, uh, by thinking at the same time as you spend less, you won't affect your income when necessary 
disparity at the national level when you spend less, income falls by precisely as much. So could, doesn't doesn't the could, doesn't the IMF have the power to overturn the uh, the EU decisions? Not overturn it, but they could say no. They could say we're not going to go along with this. And this is where I say the analogy with the Versailles Treaty comes into play because the IMF under Christine Lagarde hasn't had the guts to say to Schäuble no. And consequently, they continue reaching agreements like this, which involve, you know, giving the Greeks something like seven billion, but on condition they reduce their GDP by 14 by cutting spending, by cutting payments to pensioners, and in the in the process also selling off large parts of the Greek uh, Greek assets to largely German firms that are buying up, you know, everything. Well, the Colosseum hasn't gone up for sale yet, but it won't be long. Um, so it's a it's, it's a horribly conflicted situation, and the only person who's got the steel to keep on behaving the same old way is Schäuble, who's enforcing this you-must-cut-your-spending ideology, which economically is a failure by definition, and we're simply seeing that writ large. So um, it's, it's, this is the same sort of stuff that gave us World War II out of World War I. The only advantage this point time, I don't expect Greece to invade the rest of, uh, rest of Europe. No, don't have any money to buy any weapons for a start. But, I mean, you, mm. you made the point that it's, uh, it's a bit like operating like a local council. So if you had a local council in the north of England, for example, with an industry that was in, that was in decline and it wasn't getting any uh, tax incomes, it would be going to central government saying, hey, you need to help fund our region because we're going bankrupt. Uh, and uh, if the money wasn't put in, then everyone would move down south for jobs, so that area would become depopulated, and that's exactly what yeah. you're saying is happening in Greece. Yeah, it is happening. I mean, the only reason you're getting a improvement in per capita income to some extent in Greece is because people are leaving. Um, something like about 10 something approaching 10% of the population has already left, and if that keeps up, you're going to have a depopulated country where at some point everything breaks down and it ends up becoming a Somalia in Europe. And uh, that'll be the ultimate statement of success of these policies. It's scary as hell. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed, in fact, we haven't seen any Greek terrorism yet uh, on the scale of Islamic terrorism. But at some point, some Greeks are going to decide to get even uh, in the same brutal way that uh, Islamic groups have got even uh, over the invasions of uh, of Iraq and, and, and Syria and so on. So uh, it's, it's a very ugly thing. And... So final, so final question then, because we've, mm. we've talked about this in the past. In fact, we talked about it in the past when we thought the logical thing that was going to happen was that uh, the Greece was just going to pull out of the EU, default on its debt, uh, bring back the drachma and, uh, and, and run its own economy. Why did they not do that? Because they almost did. This is they they arranged a parallel payment system. So the idea was that you would have a uh, everybody has a tax file number. Well, not everybody in Greece, but enough people have a tax file number, and there was going to be a system where you could pay use tax credits to pay to pay your tax bill and exchange tax credits with other people in return for goods and services, which they could then use to pay their own tax liabilities. That was ready to go. Um, it was organised. Um, by Yanis Varoufakis, and he was given the right, not just the responsibility, but the right to exercise this in one of the European Union meetings if the um, if the position became impossible. And he was he considered doing it. He almost did, and he said he he couldn't bring himself to make the decision. So he went to see. He deferred it and went to see uh, Cyprus. And Cyprus said Cyprus wasn't willing to give it a try. And looking back in his own history and uh, 
any adults in the room, Yana said that's his biggest regret. He wished he had actually pulled the trigger because what that would have done at the time was, given the bonds were owned by um, a range of private organisations as well as the ECB, it would have blown up the European Central Bank's quantitative easing pr program, where they've, of course, thrown enormous amounts of money at rescuing the, Fr the French and German banking system. Mm. So it was a credible threat. And the one great regret that Yana's had is that he didn't actually exercise that that uh, that threat. So, what is the what could be the short term answer? Presumably, I mean, because the ECB still does have this massive stimulus program, they're not talking about winding it back anytime soon. I mean, surely they could just buy bonds that would stimulate the Greek economy and and drive investment increase. They they could it, it could be done that way, uh, and and this is what Giannis is saying that he's looking at the situation now. You, you need somebody in the Greek government who's willing to say no and actually mean it, and just simply refuse to agree to the terms. Uh, and then have a parallel payments system ready at the time uh, to take over and just let, let let the ships fall where they may. And given the fact that well, the, the, the sins of the Greek government we're talking about now were committed something approaching 15, 20 years ago and are being imposed on people who are being born into the situation, have no idea where it came from, and are being born into a situation where their their grandparents' pension is the only thing keeping their parents and themselves alive, and that pension has been cut by a quarter uh, yet again in the next set of a set of, of rules for to get the bailouts, which then pay out the French and German banks. I mean, it's it, it is, and and they're projecting it to twenty sixty. Mm. I mean, get a grip. So. Mm. It should be possible to say we're going to stop, we're going to write off all the debt and start all over again. But um, the economy has been so badly devastated by the last 10 years of this process that, um, you know, as I said, regarding as Somalia is not too far from the to, probable to, outcome. And do you think that the, the German line is that, well, we don't want to do that because it's too good personally for us right now to, to have a weakened economy surrounding us? Is, is, is that the German motive, do you think? Well, the German motive is partly an ideology called auto-liberalism, where they believe just get the rules right, obey the rules, and everything will work perfectly. And secondly, the belief that you should run a, run a surplus. Uh, the government should always run a surplus, which itself destroys income. Uh, two foolish beliefs being imposed on a weak economy. Uh, and then, then, but also on top of that, you have the political battle between Schäuble and Merkel uh, for, for power, power back in, in Germany and sufficient parts of the German uh, electorate that would uh, reject any party that gave, gave a, um, a, debt, uh, a debt forgiveness to the, to the Greeks. So it's, it's just a total, uh, a total mess. And the only way out of it is somebody to go in and say, we're going to break the rules. The trouble is the Greeks are so weakened by the whole process that I don't know they're in a situation to do it. Mm. So, meanwhile, we'll just go through every six months or so another uh, bailout to help cover the uh, them defaulting on their debt, more depopulation, uh, less uh, that this GDP per capita figure continuing to fall, less spending, uh, and so the cycle goes on and on and on uh, ad nauseum. Until such time as we start getting Greek terrorism on on a smaller scale than we're currently getting with Islamic terrorism, but yes, I think it'll get to that stage. Um, this with this total stalemate and a stalemate dominated by by Schäuble in particular and the Germans in general, then the only way this is going to end, I think, or be focused, is if we start having people, you know, Greeks, 
committing terrorist acts than the rest of Europe, and then Europe responding by going to occupy Greece. Mm. Well, that's been done before. Uh, history yeah, repeating itself. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you. That's a cheerful topic for us today. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, Steve. Thank you. Like a man. And uh, on that, the population of Greece was 11.2 million people in 2010. It's now 10.8 million. That's a, a drop of 3.5% in seven years. And I suggest it's not old people moving on. Uh, so the Europe plan is working so badly that productive workers are forced out of their homeland. In fact, there was a, a 2014 study by the National Bank of Greece that showed that more than half of those who left since the financial crisis are graduates. So Greek brain drain. Uh, but hey, you know, the economy will still pick up just follow those austerity measures that seems to be the idea they have uh, gone from being the world's 75th biggest country in terms of population in seven years falling to the 85th biggest country over the same period by the way whilst greece has lost 3.5 percent of its population the uk has gained five percent about half of those leaving greece we think are actually going to the uk so uh, a big transference and you have to wonder how bad is it at home particularly you know when you're in a warm sunny and beautiful country like greece how bad does it have to be to fall you to move pretty bad and if you believe steve it's only going to get worse now look next time amazon keeps buying robots now they're buying companies and robots there's seemingly no stopping them and you know you don't have to have any worries about union problems if you don't have any people so what does the economy look like when the machines take over join us for that very soon here on the debunking economics podcast with professor steve keen i'm phil dolly we will see you then thanks for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.